The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Wrestling to the Max NXT Review. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wrestling to the Max's uh, WWE NXT review for uh, whatever date it was yesterday, October 4th, 2017. Uh, I am your host, Paul Leeser, joined this week by Harry Broadhurst, as Gary is still on a boat out somewhere in the Caribbean. So how are you doing, Harry? Uh, I'm telling you, we need to license Lonely Islands. I'm on a boat for these shows. <laughs> I'm not paying that. <laughs> All right, I'm not either because that's probably expensive. Although his his TV show did return, so dude's making bank. That's Hi, everybody. True. That is very true. Uh, <laughs> I doubt he's willing to cut us a deal. Anyways, uh, unlikely. Uh, um, yeah, very unlikely. Let's. We got uh, a really pretty stacked episode of NXT to get into here, and once again. Uh, we get to see Billy Kay and Peyton Royce team on to take on Ruby Riot, who is all by her lonesome once again. Until about maybe halfway through the match, you have Nikki Cross come out again, much to the fans' delight to take up by Ruby Riot's side. And uh, once again, playing a factor as they uh, continue to win, uh, Ruby puts uh, um, Billy away with the Pele kick. Yeah, interesting to see uh, the little strange bedfellows team of Ruby and Nikki working so well together. Something tells me that both of those women are going to be participants in the four-way for the women's title at TakeOver Houston, so I don't think they're going to be getting along much longer. Mm. I I don't don't really want to talk too much about that because I do read spoilers, but... uh, (laughs) uh, You're a terrible person, Paul. You're not wrong, buddy. Uh... (laughs) I, I really do enjoy this pairing, though. I think they, they're they so very different, uh, and you can totally tell that Nikki is just playing games with everybody, which is great. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the iconic duo, personally. Uh, like us. Yeah, I really can't wait to see more from them uh, up on the main roster, because I definitely think they're going to be up there sooner rather than later, for sure. I'm a... Uh... I've long stated that I am a big fan of Billy Kay, the former Jesse McKay, courtesy of uh, Shimmer and stuff. Uh, the more and more I see a Peyton Royce, the more and more she grows on me. I agree she has very much. Look that the WWE traditionally goes for, and the fact of the matter is, is, is that these two could realistically be a new Mean Girls kind of click inside of the WWE's women's division. <laughs> much the same way, kind of the, how the BFFs used to run NXT as well. Uh, I think uh, we should tip our hats to Lay Cool as well, who personified the gimmick, at least for the WWE. Uh, <sighs> Layla. Yeah. Uh, any chance, really, to <laughs> to make you swoon, Harry? <laughs> I miss... Michelle never did anything for me, but I miss Layla. Yeah, Layla was... At one time, I would have argued she might have been one of the better people on the, the roster as far as going on in between the ropes. Uh, she was always one of the best people on the roster as far as how she looked in the ring. Oh, she is very pretty. That is true. Moving on, though, from uh, Old Divas, uh, Lars Sullivan and Oni Lorcan gets highlighted from last week as Lars just ran him right the heck over. 
Danny Birch came out and challenged him to uh, a match, and Lars gets an interview backstage. And I found this very interesting, Harry, because when you usually have the big angry monster in a WWE, his uh, his promo ability isn't as uh, eloquent, I would say. Uh, <laughs> Lars uh, very much, I think, tells a different story with his words than, than what happens in between the ropes, and I kind of like that. It's very, very interesting. Is it just me, or did it kind of come off as a little bit Festus? A little? Like... Like how Festus used to be completely calm and subtle until the bell rang, mm-hmm. and then once the bell rang, he turned into a monster. It almost seemed that same way without the stupid facial expressions. Right, or, you know, the the Country Hicks thing, too. Well, yeah, the backwoods hillbilly thing, granted. But, I mean, as far as the... Uh, what, I, what I mean with the comparison here is how dominant and how aggressive Lars Sullivan is inside of the ring. Mm-hmm. You see none of that in his interview. Yes. He's very calm. He's very well-spoken. He's very... Well mannered, all things considered, in regards to the fact that he's having the interview with Christy St. Cloud. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, he does talk a lot about control, how he's always in control of his temper, all these other things, which obviously we've seen maybe that that's not always true. Uh, but I, I find this was just such a, a very stark contrast from what you see in the ring. And it really, like, it, WWE has so many monsters come through its door, it's kind of nice for them to. I guess take a chance and try to do something a little bit different here, which I think is uh, not missed on a lot of other people watching, hopefully. Well, we'll see what ends up happening once they uh, put him in the ring against non-brawlers, such as people that can actually more... Like, Oni Lurkin's a very good wrestler, but he's more known as a brawler. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Danny Burch is more of the wrestler of the two, even though he's more of a brawler. But I'm curious to see what Lars Sullivan will do once he's put in there against the upper echelon of the NXT division, such as your Roderick Strongs, your Adam Coles, your... Drew McIntyre's, the Cassius Onos, the people that are more known for their technical acumen rather than their brawling ability. Right, right. Uh, and that, that will definitely be something to keep an eye on as we move forward uh, with the Lars Sullivan story. But moving on from there, Zelina Vega gets interviewed outside talking about Johnny Gargano and Andrade Cien Almas's match that's going to take place next week on NXT uh, and she says that they will beat Gargano as many times as it takes to really rub it into the face of the NXT universe, so that way almost can inch his way closer and closer to getting that NXT championship shot. I thought this was very good. We haven't really got to see a lot of Zelina Vega or you know, Thea Trinidad, if you're more familiar with that name for her, uh, as far as what she talks about and how she really handles herself in these sort of situations. I, I, I like this. She's grown very, very much since the last time I've seen her. Yeah, I think she's doing really well as the mouthpiece for Andrade Cien Almas. And I think with the Eng- the Spanish to English um, translation issues there, I think that it's a wise idea to give Andrade somebody that can be used as a mouthpiece for him. I have no issues at all with Almas' in-ring work, but from a character perspective, he wasn't really connecting with the NXT fan base, myself included. Now that he has Selena to do his talking for him, I feel like it, his act comes across much more cohesively. And I, I always felt like Almas, uh, or even when he was, before he got here, he used to run... Um, with with stables and stuff like that very often and and uh and cmll and i always thought he worked very well off playing off of people even though i i don't know spanish you could tell he was it worked better that way and i think him and zelina have a very nice chemistry 
as far I mean you don't get to see that here but when they, you see them in the ring around the ring together or uh, in those backstage promos they did in the build up to them teaming up I really enjoyed almost having somebody to play off of just because I think he's very good at facial expressions not to mention, too, I think that a lot of people are much more familiar with Almas in a stable situation. My introduction to Almas as La Sombra was inside a Shakara at King of Trios. Right. So I, I feel like he, he doesn't really stand out as a singles in that I have seen thus far. But now that he has the opportunity to have a mouthpiece here, he's able to he's able to put across his own character much more naturally. <laughs> I agree with you entirely. Uh, we get to see some clips of Adam Cole's debut last week. Uh, and then we wait. Learned... Well, 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 well. Sorry to cut you off here. Okay. Adam Cole, baby. Uh, well, if I'm going to do that the entire show, we might be here for a little bit. Uh... <laughs> just, just the first one. Carry on. Uh, in two <laughs> weeks, we'll get to see uh, the undisputed era team up to take on the trio Insanity, which should be a lot of fun. And then we get uh, to... go ahead. D- dislike. Don't like the fact that this is an NXT. Uh, this is an NXT TV match. I think that this, and yeah, I saw the spoiler about what's going to happen at Takeover Houston. But I honestly feel like this six-man tag match should have been saved for Takeover Houston instead. I, I guess we we should actually go ahead and talk about that here. Uh, Triple H revealed on Twitter, uh, and if you've read the spoilers for the tapings, that we're going to be getting a War Games match at NXT TakeOver Houston, which has now been redubbed NXT TakeOver War Games, uh, where you'll have uh, Sanity versus the Undisputed Era versus the Authors of Pain and Roderick Strong in a three-on-three-on-three War Games match, which has uh, instantly set the internet ablaze as far as talking and excitement and a bunch of other things. And I was kind of hoping that they would, if they were going to do this, you maybe save it. But this very well could be the start of something much, much bigger. Um, it definitely, uh, it's probably an easy, easy way to introduce Donovan Dijak to the fray if you want to do it this way. Uh, but I, I don't mind them doing it on NXT. You have to set it up somehow. And I think they've been doing a pretty good job of teasing that the Undisputed Era is here for reasons other than what a lot of other people come to NXT for, and that makes this very interesting to me, especially because you have Sanity as the foil, who is uh, used to being what the Undisputed Era are, and that's coming in and sort of putting things sideways. And the odd thing to me coming out of all this is the Sanity face turn. Like, these guys are super popular and super over with the NXT crowd now. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, frankly, it's they work so well as a unit. And I mean yeah. all four of them when I say that in regards to uh, Killian Dane, Alexander Wolf, uh, Eric Young, and Nikki Cross. Mm-hmm. My question is, is with so many people involved in this War Games match, where does this leave Drew McIntyre for TakeOver War Games? Um, I, I, as far as me want, not wanting to give out spoilers, I, I don't really want to touch that. But I think there's like... Me and Gary talk about this a lot on here and how packed really the main event scene is in NXT when you look at all the top guys like, uh, like you know, Aleister Black, and, and we're about to talk about his match with Roderick Strong here. Uh, you could toss a lot of other people into that mix, though, now with Adam Cole being around and Hideo and Cassius Ono and a bunch, a bunch of other people, I think, at the top of the card that you could feasibly still have Drew Challenge. Uh, that's. I mean, I, I think we're going to get Alistair Black and uh, Patrick Clark at TakeOver War Games, personally. Mm-hmm. 
but that's just me. I have not looked at the spoilers, as you could probably guess, so yeah. I don't honestly know what's happening there. But if based on what I'm seeing on television, especially what we saw on this particular week's episode of NXT television with Aleister Black, which I think is up next, actually. You're right. Um, then that's where I feel like they could be going for TakeOver Houston slash War Games with uh, Aleister Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I agree with you, too, as we have the very, very nice uh, surprise of Leo Rush coming out. He gets the the nice big pop uh, from the NXT Full sale crowd here uh, as he's coming out for a match with Aleister Black, which realistically could main event anywhere, uh, at least on the independents, just because, you know, that rep. But uh, you have the Velveteen Dream come out and ruin it as he lays Leo Rush out, uh, hits him with the Purple Rainmaker, and sort of dares Aleister Black to get in the ring. And as Black does his little, you know, dive into the sitting position into the ring, uh, Dream bails and is trying to get Black to acknowledge that he's there, and Aleister just keeps staring forward, uh, basically into the hard camera continuing to play off of his promo from last week where he refuses to acknowledge the lashings out of a child for attention. I I actually really enjoyed this as much as I wanted to see Leo and Alistair hook it up. Uh, this, I think, really played well. I think the problem with having Leo take on Alistair in his debut is the fact that they've already debuted two other current NXT superstars that same way mm-hmm. in Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with uh, with uh, Velveteen coming out and laying out Leo Rush before the match. Here. I'm disappointed because the match would be phenomenal, but right. I'm, o- I'm okay with it saving that for something down the road once Leo's a bigger deal in NXT. I mean, he is Danielle Feischel's favorite wrestler. <laughs> and, anyone, and anyone who's cool with Topanga is cool with me. The, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh- <laughs> America. Yes. Yes. Uh, after this, we get the uh, the debut of Kyrie Sane as far as NXT goes, as she takes on Aaliyah. Uh, and this this was a short little three minute affair of Kyrie getting her stuff in and getting out basically. And I I like I think Aaliyah improves every time we see her on NXT TV, and I, I think you can yeah. see that again here. I was going to disagree with you. I don't think that this match was all Kyrie. I think that Aaliyah more than held her own and showed herself as competent in the course of this match here. And I've been very impressed by everything I've seen from her. I mean, I have more of a, I have more of a bond towards Aaliyah because I was one of the people that watched every episode of Breaking Ground when it first aired. Mm-hmm. So I'm more attached to Aaliyah than maybe the traditional NXT fan that's not watching the Breaking didn't watch the Breaking Ground series. Mm-hmm. And seeing her development from when she was just starting with her character there to where she is now, it's like night and day. Yeah. She's a she's a much better worker. She's much better at her timing inside of the ring. The only thing we don't know is how is her promo ability because she hasn't had a chance to talk here. I think it was the right idea to give her this match with Kyrie too, because Kyrie's of a similar size as Aaliyah as well. So Aaliyah is able to focus, showcase some of her offense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Focus? He's easy for me to say. I knew where you were going. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, basically, Kyrie hits her big stuff. Is what I was trying to get in. Like she gets the spear. You get to see the chops. You have the corner stuff, uh, the sliding forearm, and then the big elbow, and that's. Realistically, all you need to see from Kyrie to know that she can murder you basically whenever she wants. But Sliding D! Yeah. And uh, Aaliyah, before all that, you're right, does get a lot of stuff in. It's just 
you know, it's very clean. It's a very nice little clean minute of work from her. And I think uh, there's a lot of people out there, and I'm looking at Ketza mostly because I know he's not a fan of Aaliyah at all. But uh, Well, he's wrong. He is wrong. I was about to say, she keeps getting better. Uh, and I, it's it's really nice to see that on NXT TV. I mean, that's basically half the reason why I watch this show and for all the people that they keep signing. <laughs> I have a very bold statement to make here. Shoot. Somebody that's constantly focused on NXT TV. NXT TV. I think Ali is better than Lacey Evans. I would agree with you, and I think Ali has been around the game a little bit longer than Lacey. Um, I, I will say that Lacey has the better look, uh, but I, 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 Leah does have more talent in the ring as of this present moment. I disagree that uh, that Lacey has the better look because Aaliyah looks like Jasmine, the Disney princess. <laughs> you know, whatever gets it done for you. <laughs> whatever gets it done. I, I would say America here, but I, I feel that would be moderately racist, so I, I won't. that is called whitewashing, Harry. Yes, so instead I'll say Arabia and we'll move on. <laughs> We'll move on to the main event. Drew McIntyre defends the NXT title against Roderick Strong. This gets the lion's share of the episode here, a little bit over 16 minutes, as Drew ends up getting the win with this absolutely brutal-looking Future Shock DDT that stuns Strong, and uh, McIntyre puts him down with the Claymore to finally make sure he stays down. And I really, really enjoyed this. The work is great, uh, I think, as you would expect. I... I was expecting more, but I think for a TV main event with the championship on the line, they really did give us a whole lot, and I appreciate that. But this was this was a lot, a lot of fun, tremendous back and forth. I, all the chemistry that they had from Evolve is definitely still there. Yeah, I thought this was really well done as well, and I was super surprised when I saw that the introductions for this match were starting with the intros for everybody to come into the ring were starting with like 21 minutes left in the show. And I'm like, Oh crap, this is going to get some time. Alrighty then here we go. And I, I haven't seen their matches that they had in evolve, but I know McIntyre slash Galloway was killing it on the independent circuit before he resigned with the WWE and Roderick has always been very good. So I'm not surprised at all to see that they would put on such an excellent performance. Yeah. I would recommend their evolve matches to anybody. They're, some of them are a little worse than this. Uh, some of them are much, much better than this. I, I think I gave four and a quarter to one uh, such occasion. But there's there's some good stuff to be had out there between these guys if you uh, I'd put, put your taste wet here and want more. I'd put tonight somewhere around that three and a half, four star range. I think three and a half is pretty good. The, the crowd kind of lost interest, I think, before the stretch happened. So I, I don't know. It, it was... The work in here is is the really important part. I don't. The crowd is sort of yeah. That's ki- kind of a recurring theme at Full Sail anymore. Unfortunately, yeah. they're more concerned in getting themselves over than focusing on the competitors. I think at times there are other times where it feels like they're definitely into when they get attached to somebody. They definitely stay attached to that person. I don't know. They were Alist- with Roddy. Kind of aren't anymore. Alistair is one though. You're right. They're certainly with Alistair. I look forward to once they start to move Alistair up on the card as well. Mm-hmm. I know Jose is another one I think Full Cell absolutely loves too. 
Well, a lot of that has to do with how much No Way Jose has improved, too, because from being underneath guy Louis Valenzuela to now being where he is with the uh, No Way Jose gimmick, it's night and day. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's fair. I just One of those things that from the second he came through the curtain, they just immediately jumped on. You know, it's it's basically going to be one of those full sale live guys that they just going to love every time you send them out through the curtain, which is which is great. Uh, after the match, they shake hands as uh, Drew and Roderick do, and then here comes the undisputed era uh, to console Strong at the top of the stage, and sort of I don't they don't really ask him to join them, but they're they're kind of like, hey man, you remember us, right? And McIntyre's just up there like. Dude, you're hanging out with these guys now. Come on. <laughs> so, well, you'll the show. You'll notice that when they came down to the ring and they jumped McIntyre, Strong was nowhere to be seen either. So I think this is an excellent way to continue off of that. And the fact that while Roderick Strong isn't exactly announced as being associated with the Undisputed Era, it's clear to see that they have ties in history with each other. Yes. Um, I mean, obviously, for anybody who's watched Ring of Honor, you know where a lot of these guys are coming from. Uh, we, we're going to see more that have been signed to, to, from Ring of Honor, too. I, I mentioned Donovan Dijak already. We, Leo Rush has that history. Uh, there's, there's I really – go ahead. I really feel like they did Mike, Mike Kanellis, Mike Bennett a disservice by putting immediately on SmackDown, especially with this going on in NXT, because I feel like he would be an excellent choice for this group as well. Maybe – uh, I think they're going for a different feel than what Mike would bring to to the the table, you know, because Adam has all that history with Kyle already, and then Kyle and Bobby have that background. I think Triple H really loves to see in NXT, which is more that striking MMA stuff. And Adam Cole can sort of do that too, but they need a Mike guy, and Adam Cole is great at that. So I don't know. Well, I mean, I get the future shock and the Red Dragon connection here for for the Undisputed Era. I do, but at the same time, if you're going to do something in regards to... A lot of people are assuming that this is like a Ring of Honor-inspired one, and I feel like Bennett would have done excellent with these guys. I mean, I understand why they moved into SmackDown. That's a lot of that having to do with wanting to have Maria back on television as well. Yes. So, I mean, I can't say I'm entirely unsurprised that they decided to move Mike and Maria to SmackDown, but I still think that I feel like, given the opportunity, Bennett could have shined in NXT as well. I I definitely would have said that he could have used the time, for sure. Be doing more in NXT than he is on SmackDown right now, that's for damn sure. You're sure right about that. Nothing says relevant like a 55-second loss to Bobby Roode. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, uh, say la vie, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> eh, his wife's pregnant. He's happy. Yeah, and you know, recovering from drugs or you know, painkillers and all that stuff too. So, I don't know. We'll just have to see. I guess what's in store for him, as well as what's happening on NXT, because that's going to do it for this episode. So, uh, do you want to plug anything before we bail on out of here, Harry? Are we going to do a rating? Uh, we don't usually rate NXT, but we can if you want to. Uh, seven and a half. Okay. Uh, continued a couple of stories going forward without having to necessarily give away anything inside of the ring for them. I like the fact that Leo Rush didn't wrestle before he was attacked because of the fact that you got to save Leo's. I think you save Leo's in ring debut to mean something. Um, you continue the story of Velveteen and Alistair. You continue the story of Nikki Cross and 
Ruby Riot, the uh, iconic duo, as we get ready to focus more and more on the four-way qualifiers going into TakeOver Houston, TakeOver War Games or whatever. And then you had an excellent main event, in my opinion, in the Drew McIntyre-Roderick Strong match. So I won about seven and a half. I think a seven and a half about covers it, too, for all the reasons you mentioned. There's a lot of great storytelling on here. Everything on NXT these last month and a half, two months, has really, I think, been hyper-focused on storytelling, and that's really, I think, where NXT and one-hour shows do the best. Is It's so easy to just keep focusing on one thing to another that matters, uh, and as well as getting it's, some dynamite wrestling. It's the most precise hour in the company, that's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely true. Well, and I think 205 Live has that same benefit that they could focus on telling a couple of stories at a time as well, and that's what makes 205 Live, in my opinion, easier to sit through than Raw most weeks. I would agree with you on that entirely. Yeah. Speaking of 205 Live... I was waiting for you to plug it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this feels like a good po- good part for us. Segway! Right about now. Um... So Sean stepped down from doing the weekly SmackDown and 205 Lives, but fear not, I have a new co-host, and for the first time in W2M history, co-hosting a wrestling show, it is a female co-host. My friend Liz Puglisi joins me for SmackDown and 205 Live every week here on the W2M Network. In addition, you can also find me on The Kickoff with Stephen Err and Brandon Biscabing, and Patrick Ketch and I do Wrestling Unwrapped, although this week it'll be WU Reacts. To Hell in a Cell 2017. It sure will, uh, which me and Sean are going to preview on the upcoming W2M episode part two uh, for this week. Uh, we're also going to be talking about some New Japan, and we'll be talking about Lucha, uh, Impact, everything we usually do on a Thursday, plus some previews as well, and news, of course. And uh, That's going to do it for us. I forgot to mention that at the top. Thank you to 411 Mania, and last word on ProWrestling.com. Uh, both those places put us up there. Great supporters of ours. Wonderful websites as well if you're ever looking for uh, the latest news or, or anything else related to, to wrestling or uh, and 411 Mania does a bunch of other stuff too. But we're also on W2Mnet.com. That's our main home. That's where you can find all of our podcasts, all of our written stuff, football, wrestling, video games, entertainment, much, much more. Soccer. Soccer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lots of lots of great stuff out there for you to go enjoy. Of course, you can always subscribe to us, iTunes, all the usual places. Uh, so I think that's going to do it for us here this week. Uh, Gary will be back around next week. I, I don't so long as nothing terrible happens. Uh, <laughs> so or they or or they don't need his cruise ship to rescue another Caribbean island. Something like that, or uh, you know maybe Gary gets lost at sea. That would really suck. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm just saying. I'm tossing it out there. If Gary gets lost at sea, you know a guy to help you with the reviews. I'm it's just true. saying. It is true. It's very true. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, we're out of here, folks. Have a good evening. Bye, everyone. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit w2mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.